Well, hey there, podcast listener. How are you today? Like, really? Because if I could be honest, you're looking a little stressed out. And that's okay, because I've got your back. Because if you are feeling stressed out with life and work, left to feel unfulfilled, stuck, and ready for a new chapter to begin, well, I'm inviting you to change that. Because I want you to sit down with me and let's figure out a plan together, your life's roadmap, taking you from where you are right now and getting you to where you want to be. All you have to do is head on over to workwithkevin.coach. That is workwithkevin.coach to sign up. Until then, enjoy today's episode. Tire rolled off the rim because I guess the the tires were undersized for the rim. There was something. They, were, they weren't right. They weren't the right size. So the tire folded, and we then abruptly got jerked left, and I think we hit a telephone pole and rolled, and myself and my friend in the front seat were ejected from the vehicle because we weren't wearing our seatbelts. So that was one more thing that was not in our favor, not wearing seatbelts. And uh, my friend regrettably lost his life, and I became a quadriplegic. So many people think that my story is inspiring, how I became blind at just 17 years of age. They always want to know how I've done it and how I've kept smiling all along the way. Well, I've just chosen to focus my attention on seeing the positive side to life. And here on the podcast, that's what I want to do for you. Because no matter what you may be going through in life, I hope to inspire you to focus on the positive. And you know what? I hope that I can also be a source of inspiration for you to just keep on smiling. When you think of a superhero, what do you see? Is it a fictional character from a comic book? flying through the sky with their cape whipping in the wind? Or do you picture something a little bit more grounded, like a doctor working hours on end to save somebody's life inside of the operating room? Or maybe you picture the firefighters who run into the burning building when everyone else is running out. What you probably don't picture is the type of superhero that I'm talking about today. Because they're not going to be featured on the front page of the newspaper for doing something courageous and heroic. They're probably not going to be booked on the Today Show for the featured 8 o'clock interview spot either. And I can almost guarantee it that if you ask them, they will tell you they are the farthest thing you could get from a superhero. And I can also bet that the guy who I'm about to introduce to you is already starting to shake his head in disapproval. But you know what? It's not his podcast. It's mine. And I get to decide who are superheroes and who are not. Hey, this is Kevin Lowe, the host of The Lowdown with Kevin Lowe. And you are here today for episode 50. It's easy to throw in the towel when times get tough. It's easy to walk away when things don't go the way you thought they were going to go. For me, a superhero is the one who doesn't walk away. They don't give up and they keep fighting. They keep pushing through the physical pain and they keep dealing with the emotional 
that's a superhero. They're the kind of person who every single day, even the small things, the things that the rest of us do and don't think twice about, it's a struggle for them. They have to fight through it. They have to put both their physical self to the test as well as their mental. And that's like today's guest, today's superhero, Robert Mudge. I could have chosen to have anybody on the podcast to celebrate this big 50th episode mile marker. And, you know, it could have been anyone from all over the world living anything with their life. But I chose to feature the story of Robert Mudge because he's a local. He lives right here in the same little beachside town that I do. And matter of fact, we went to the same high school as each other. He was four years older than me. And so, you know, I knew about Robert. I knew about his story, but I never had the chance to actually meet him. And so to have him agree to come on my podcast, to be quite honest, was like having a celebrity tell me, yes, they would love to be on. So that's what I want to introduce to you today is the story of Robert Mudge. Now, if you've been around the podcast a time or two and participated last month in our first ever hashtag listen blind challenge, well, this episode is one of those again, because I feel like today's episode is so powerful that I felt there was no better episode to be part of the listen blind challenge than this one. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this is my way of helping you even more so see the world like I do. Because with a podcast, everybody is blind. You don't see me and I don't see you. But I want to further enhance that by having you take the time out of your day to listen to this episode with your eyes closed. Because I hope that you can really pay attention to every word that is spoken and envision what my guest has been going through. Put that into your own life. And his story, it's not one to have you feeling sorry for him. He wouldn't want that and neither do I. What I want you to get out of today's episode is this feeling as though you can do anything even when times get so tough like they have been for Robert Mudge. So before we get into today's interview, though, I have to give an awesome shout out to today's sponsor, Next Step Orlando. Next Step Orlando has played a huge role in the life of today's guest, Robert Mudge. Next Step Orlando is a nonprofit organization helping those paralyzed from spinal cord injuries, strokes, brain injuries, or other neurological disorders. They have a slogan. They told us to accept what we could not change. Instead, we changed what we could not accept. Next Step Orlando provides an aggressive physical exercise-based program that targets the dysfunctional nervous system with external stimulation. Participation in their recovery program requires hard work, dedication, and determination for recovery. Their clients begin to notice their nervous systems changing. With functional gains, their clients 
are improving their health and most of all, independence. What they are doing is absolutely life-changing and I could not be more thrilled to have them be a part of today's episode. If you would like to learn more about Next Step Orlando, please be sure to visit this episode's show notes where you can find links to learn more. Luckily, it was after I graduated because I've come across some kids, you know, or people along the way, you know, whenever you're injured like this, you, you're going to rehab or you have meetings or whatever. So you meet different people and you ask how they got hurt and when they got hurt. And some people got hurt when they were in school still. And I feel like that'd be pretty tough. If I had had this injury my sophomore, junior or whatever year, I just, I don't know. I think it would have been way difficult. So go ahead and catch me up to speed. So yeah. when, when did your accident happen? So I graduated in May of 2001 and on the night of August 19th, 2001 is when I had the accident. So I think, I think college was starting either the following day or the next week or something close. Like it was about to start the next chapter and then the accident occurred. So now, now at that point, were you heading away to college? I was, I was going to go to, even though I'm a, like a Florida Gator fan through and through, I actually applied to Florida state, but I don't think my parents wanted me to go away. They thought maybe I would get into some trouble or whatever, you know, if I went away. So I think there was some, some prayers and some requests not to. And so I ended up going to be staying here at Daytona state and go there for two years and then decide where to go from there. That's always the, uh, the thing from our parents, the sensible solution yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. and so i think that's why all of us in high school always tend to fight that decision you know i mean that's like the reason i was going to florida state was because my friends were going there so it was already starting to where it was like you know i, I was ready to go just to, for the social aspect or whatever you know absolutely man totally get it now so now what happened though what to take me through if if you don't mind the the events of of yeah, what yeah, happened yeah. yeah well it's a little different because I don't really I didn't know what happened either that night so or that day even so whenever I finally came to in the hospital you know that took a bit of time too because they had me um, in an induced coma just to stay still and to heal and everything like that they didn't want me moving very much so it really wasn't until October that I even learned that I was not like in my mind I was driving home by myself is what I thought. I thought I was heading home. In actuality, the, the accident occurred. Me going back to drop off my friends at a house. So, uh, and there was me and three others in the car. And by the police report and just what my friends had told me, I guess we were driving down Beach Street, which is a winding road. And I was driving too fast at the time, for sure. And... I don't know if there was something in the road or if we saw something, I don't know. But either way, I turned and corrected the vehicle and the tires, it was a brand new car. So this was like my um, my graduation gift. So prior to that, I had a, a, a Bronco, a full-size Bronco, and it was a much bigger and much wider, squattier truck. So it was much more stable, if you will. And so when I tried to steer or avoid whatever the tire rolled off the rim because i guess the the tires were undersized for the rim there was something they were they weren't right they weren't the right size so the tire folded and we then abruptly got jerked left and i think we hit a telephone pole and rolled and 
myself and my friend in the front seat were ejected from the vehicle because we weren't wearing our seatbelts. So that was one more thing that was not in our favor, not wearing seatbelts. And uh, my friend regrettably lost his life and I became a quadriplegic. But this all was not even known to me until October. So the accident was August 19th and somebody sat me down at the rehab hospital in Atlanta and told me that this occurred. So that was that was pretty tough, you know, not knowing and then hearing that. Like, that was not a good day. Wow, dude, that's so intense. Yeah. In some regards, I'm kind of thankful that I don't remember because yeah. I've talked to a lot of people, and when they're injured, they, they were cognizant. They were aware. So they're, they had some sort of accident or injury, and they were awake, and they knew – they couldn't move something or something wasn't right. You know, that, that to me is terrifying. So in some regards, I'm glad that my mind or whatever blocked out whatever happened or, you know. Yeah, no, no, I totally get it. Now, now what kind of car were you driving when the accident was, was that the Bronco or did you say you had, you got a a new car? Tahoe. So they didn't even make them anymore. Cause I think they had quite the reputation of like rolling and stuff. Those two door SUVs. Like they don't even make those anymore, yeah. really. Wow. So now the the guys who were in the back seat of your car, did they have any substantial injuries? No injuries, but I'm sure mentally, you know, that was not fun because they were aware and they also found us. You know what I'm saying? They, they, yes. One friend found me and the other friend found my other friend. So I'm sure like I've never really I've never really dabbled or asked them to explain those things or to dive into it. Cause if they wanted to tell me they would, but I'm not, you know, I'm never going to, cause I'm sure it's just something they don't really want to remember or talk about that much either. Yeah, no, man, I totally get it. I totally get it now. No, no. Tell me a little bit because, cause I, I'm, I'm curious as far as waking, waking up and, 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 and I, and I'm wondering if your situation is similar to my own when, when a lot of people ask me, about what happened to me is, is, you know, what was it like the first time I, you know, realized I couldn't, couldn't see. And, and, and I can't really answer that question because I don't, yeah. I don't remember exactly, you know, a, a pivotal moment or something, yeah. but what about for you? Yeah, it was, um, it's weird mentally. Cause I don't think your mind can process it or you can process it well. So I think my memories were, I was kind of upset because I felt like they weren't letting me out of bed. Like I was saying, like, I want to leave or I want to do this. And they weren't letting me. It was more like I could, but they weren't letting me. And then there was times when I just felt really heavy. I don't know. It's odd because there's never a time when I was just like, I'm paralyzed and I can't move. It was always a, okay, I'm, I'm injured. I'm just going to give this some time, just like a broken foot or a broken arm or whatever you call it. You know, you just heal and it gets better. Like, it's just hard to realize that maybe you're injured and it's that's that's it. You're you're that is your your new you. Like yep. even with your eyes, it's like you, you lose your sight and it's like this is it. It's, there's no getting it back. It's this is this is it, and your mind just can't wrap around that or doesn't want to, or there's always that hope. You know, hope is a great thing, but hope can also not let you process what is. Oh, oh absolutely. That's I've said hope i mean we 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 all need hope for so many things but but exactly like kind of what you're saying is is hope can also be something that 
can totally tear you apart also, you know, and, and like you said, and, and it can stand in the way of, of focusing on and getting, getting through, you know, what your, your current situation is now. So now you were, as you said, you were left completely paralyzed from the neck down. Yeah. Initially it was nothing. So I was on a, a ventilator. I think I, I can remember like clicking if I needed something from nurses. Like that was my only way to communicate at one point. So I couldn't even speak because I had that thing in my like throat, you know, and the, to help me breathe for, I don't remember the duration, but maybe a few weeks at least that I had that in. And so I don't know. I don't know if you ever had those feelings when you have a really high fever and you have some kind of crazy dreams and you feel super heavy, like you're sunk into the bed and can't move. It was kind of like that because they also had me on some pretty high medication. So I hallucinated a good bit and I don't really know what was, what was real and what wasn't. So of course, you know, I, I thought I was moving for different rooms. I thought there was people under my bed, you know, there's all sorts of things that was going on. As I look back, I really don't even remember when I came to and was like, okay, I'm, I'm awake and I'm processing things. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. Now, so now you said that at some point though, they, they actually transfer you up to a rehab facility in, in, in Atlanta. Did you say? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. You know, that was the same year, September 11th of nine 11. So oh, that's right. I can remember being in the hospital. I was super cold. Like there's something after you have this injury that you hypothalamus or something is shot. And I was always cold. I always had a sheet like over my head or whatever, trying to stay warm. And I can remember watching it on the TV with like the sheet over my head or just below my eyes watching it. And I was scheduled to be discharged like right around that time. So on September 13th, one of my friend's grandmothers was kind enough to, to donate the money to uh, a plane to fly me from Daytona to Atlanta. And that was on September 13th. And I think I was like one of a handful of planes that were even allowed to be in the air around then. So it was, you know, we wanted a good rehab center. And my dad had, been flown to different centers to find out what was, you know, going to be good for me. And he felt like this place was the place to be. It was, you know, more upbeat. There's a younger crowd. It was just, just seemed right. Yeah. 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 No doubt. Now I, I'm curious to know, I mean, dude, like I can't, I, I'm trying to like put myself in, in that situation in that. And I'm just wondering like your, your entire just, mental mindset and even you know if if we even need to go a little bit you know further out you know after that like i mean i'm sure you had to go through like i did like anybody you know there's there's the the denial there's the hope that you're going to get better there's you know i mean think of my family my brother sister people like that dealt with it a little bit even harder than i did if you will like they didn't want to hear that i was going to be in a wheelchair that i wasn't going to do this or that and like when we flew to atlanta i'm not I'm not, I'm not like sitting as a passenger on an airplane. I'm a, it's like a, a few, one of those smaller private planes and I'm laying down. They had me laid down with a, um, I still had a, like, keep my neck stabilized. Though. Okay. I can't think of the word, what it is. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm incapacitated at that moment, but yeah, there's, that's, I think hope was still there. Like I still hadn't processed the fact that it could take 20 plus years or, whatever to get there you know what i'm saying like at that moment i'm just like okay i'm gonna go up here i'm gonna do some rehab i'm gonna get better you know i'm that in that early days it's still this isn't permanent 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So now, now, now walk me through, like, at what point, I guess, I'm kind of curious, because at some point then, you know, life starts going on. And so, like, how long were you up there at that rehab facility? From August till, I think, at least January of the next year, I think I, I think I came back down around December and they okay. had kind of like a surprise thing for me at the church annex where I went to. And so there's a lot of friends from high school and stuff like that. And that was, that was kind of tough, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> people seeing me the way I was or whatever, then, you know, it was, you're, you're kind of ashamed or you're kind of whatever embarrassed. I don't know. It was, yeah. There was a time when I would get out of the van, you know, we had a handicap accessible van and, I didn't like unloading or opening or getting out in front of people or, re- you know what I mean? It was, yes. it was weird for a time. It was almost embarrassing. Yeah. And, and no, I, I totally, I totally get that. And, and I'll tell you for myself, it took me a long, long, long time. And, and I won't even tell you that I don't still have moments like it today, you know, 17 plus years later of even, I remember, you know, being around like, cause you know, sometimes though you, you, you want to feel normal. And so you think the normal is to be around those old friends and stuff. Well, yeah. those old friends are, are living the life that you were supposed to have lived. And so it could be, I, I just know for myself, I can remember going out with, with my couple, you know, my best friend and, and stuff and who was there for me after, you know, my accident and, and I can remember most times, even though I would have such a good time, I would come home and I would always then be in bed and cry. Yeah, it's it's just odd because sometimes you're having to deal. Okay, you you already are unsure about yourself. Your confidence is down. You don't really know how to operate. But you have to almost put on a front or be extra okay with yourself because a lot of times our friends don't really know how to deal with us in the situation or the position we're in. So we have to like, reassure them and comfort them and be extra talkative or you know what i mean yeah like not only are you you yep. suffering or dealing with stuff but you got to help console them so you can i don't know continue and interact or whatever exactly no and, and and i mean and i yeah i totally get that that's where you know like me i always say is is it's not just living this life but but like you said is because you notice, you, you know the people are uncomfortable. They, they, everybody, they're so afraid they're going to say the wrong thing. They're going to do the wrong yeah. thing. And so, yeah, and, you know, and and so, you know, instead of being, you know, a jerk, you know, you you try to be a nice guy and, and make light of it and, and make them feel comfortable, you know? Yeah, so now I'm, I'm curious as far as, because I know for myself, my faith and my family and those couple of, couple of friends who who were there with me from the beginning were were pivotal in me and after what happened to me going blind what about for you did you have yeah, that yeah. family Definitely support faith. you know yeah I, I was i was born and raised in the church so you know i've always it's hard for me sometimes to say everything happens for a reason and whatever <laughs> because a lot of bad things happen to like this is bad but there's some people out there that uh, i mean i don't know say rape or murder or will you name the the bad things and i'm sure in those moments those people are like why me also so we all have the the why me's or what's the purpose but you know i guess you just kind of got to sit back and be like i I don't know why but it is what it is you know it, it 
and you just go. But with, I mean, without my friends and family, I, I couldn't do anything. Like literally if Thanos snapped his fingers right now and my family and friends were gone, I'd be in a nursing home because I can't take care of myself by myself. Like I can't get out of bed on my own. I can't dress on my own. I can't shower, do the stuff we got to do on my own. You know, it's just, just without people, I couldn't function. Yeah, no, I, I totally, totally understand now. And, and I tell you what, when I say I understand, I understand by the fact that yeah. family means so much and, yeah. you know, in, in, in having those, those people who are there with you day in and day out, you know, yeah. and they become, you know, they're your lifeline. And, uh, so I totally get that. There's definitely a sifter. Also, I'm sure, you know, that the situation sifts, you know, like every, you put all your friends and family on top of the sifter and you shake it a couple of times with this and the ones that fall through are, are way less than what you think. You know what I'm saying you may have <laughs> yep. hundreds of friends prior and then all of a sudden it gets down to like, okay, yep. you've got three. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. And so I am curious, did you, did you have, were there any friends that you had in, in school and you graduated who, who were there for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. They were there and there are some that you thought were there and you kept fighting to have them there and they weren't. And then there's this day when you just kind of like, okay, I can't keep trying to catch these people or not catch, but just, you know, interact with them if they're not going to put in the work. And at some point you just kind of wipe your hands clean and you just go forward. And it's like, if you're coming, you're coming. If you're not, you're not. Exactly. No, I totally get it now. So I'm curious, man. So at what point, I mean, gosh, it's been, so that, that happened. Your accident was in 2001. Yeah. It'll be 20 years this year. Yeah. Wow. And so at what point, I guess I'm, I'm wondering because, because I mean, goodness knows, I mean, now you, you're, you're a husband, you're a father. I'm curious how long did it take or what, what happened, I guess, in your life that things kind of, I don't know, turned around. I don't even know how, you know, just kind of a change direction. No, I think there was a, maybe back in 2004, I think I can remember I was in my power chair at that point because I couldn't, I couldn't be in a manual chair. I didn't have the strength or the balance or whatever the, and so I'm in this power chair and I'm like leaning back watching TV and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, things aren't getting better. You know, like this isn't, this isn't working. The whole, the whole broken bone scenario of me healing is, is not applicable to this, to this situation. I got to do something else. And that's when I started searching on the internet for exercise based therapy, like something more aggressive, like, come on, let's, let's not take me to PT for an hour and then let me go home. You know, like let's do something. Cause after two years, insurance companies, that's, that's about it. So yes. they don't, they don't cover anything after that because they, they measure it by progression or improvements. And sometimes these progressions are take months to years. It's not weeks or days. And that's what they're looking for. And when they don't do that, they can't justify it. So I found this place in California and there was no way I could afford it. I mean, the, the therapy is like a hundred dollars an hour and you've got to make a trip across the country and all this other stuff. So there was this guy at my church at that time, he, he was the head of a children's home, like, a, you know, helping underprivileged kids or giving them homes and helping. And I'm, I asked him, like, can you help me? Like, can you help me do a fundraiser or something like that? Like, and I remember being pretty emotional. I think I was in tears asking him because it's difficult 
asking for stuff all the time. Like he gets old, always having to ask for help or whatever. But he was kind enough to do it. And we had a walkathon at the mall of Lucia Mall. And for about five or six years, he did that. And that's what got me to California and really turned things around. So that's when they had me do exercises that I couldn't do. So they were putting me on like a total gym or like a stationary bike. And there were some points when I was almost angry because I'm like, I can't do it. I really don't understand why you guys are making me do this. I can't do it. Like this is, you're insulting me. But their mindset was more like, let's get you on this machine. Let's do this. And we're going to build a connection. Like if you keep doing things over and over, all of a sudden things started rewiring, connecting. And like, that's my, my injury just recovery took off from there. Like the next year or the year after that, I think I had transitioned to a manual chair with these power assist wheels to help me do it. Cause I still not strong enough to do just a regular manual chair. And it was just, I started standing and, you know, I just started this, just kind of like a little train that started getting better and better. Wow. So what, what do you know? What was the name of the facility out in California that you went to? Project walk. The, the sad thing is a couple of years ago, it, it folded. They got some poor management that came in and was looking for money instead of the, what it was and helping people. And they actually went under, but I'd also met a girl some years later and she went out there with me a couple summers. And then her grandmother and mother was like, we need something like this in Florida. And so they started Step It Up Recovery was the initial facility they had. And then it transitioned to Project Walk Orlando. And now it's Next Step Orlando. And that's an Altamont. And that's where I go weekly now. And then I also do some stuff at home. We have a, a friend that comes over twice a week to help me work out there. And then we've built our own little gym at my parents' house through the fundraisers and stuff over the years. So that's where I'm at now. I, I pretty much... I either ride my hand cycle or I work out upstairs with my friend or I go to Next Step Orlando and that's, that's it. Like five, six days a week. It's, that's what I got to do. Yeah. So I, I can't sit around. My body just does not do well sitting still. It's either move or medicate is what I tell people. And if <laughs> yep. you don't know what that means, it's like I either have to do something or you put me on meds and I just deteriorate. So it's like those are the only two options. Absolutely. So now... Man, so talk about though the power of of physical therapy type exercises and the fact that I mean you you regained yeah. some ability to you know whatever level I mean to to go from from basically yeah. you know completely paralyzed neck down to to the fact of you know what you're you're telling me of of you know yeah. have, regaining some you know you know movement in your arms and in legs yeah. and stuff I mean that's pretty in, amazing. Yeah, years. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a quick matter. It's like, you know, you just got to have that. That's where the faith and hope come back into play and help. You know what I mean? There's like a point where it doesn't, but then there's also a point where like, okay, I may not be, I may not heal myself completely, but I can get better at least. Because when you have a spinal cord injury, you either sever it or you damage it, right? And so I've come across a lot of people that have severed it. And those are heartbreaking situations because... If the Granada Bridge was broke, you can't get across it. You know what I mean? There's no signals. But if there's if it's damaged or it's really hurt, then they can squeeze by or do whatever. They, there's some signals that can get by. And so with me, I'm asymmetric. So my, my right side, I can move my hand, leg, foot on the right side. My left side, I, I still can't move my hand or wrist or like a lot of parts on my left side of my body. So my spinal cord was damaged and 
asymmetrically, which is kind of a bummer because if I had two right sides, it, I, I'd be way far in advance. So, <laughs> but even my left arm, I mean, I couldn't move it for two years. Like it used to be on my armrest in my power chair. And if it like happened to fall off, I couldn't even pick it up and put it back on the armrest. Of course. Like, I mean, it's just, it was paralyzed, paralyzed for two plus years. And my right arm, I couldn't brush my own teeth. I couldn't feed myself. I mean, it's tough when you got to ask for help all the time. And it's, it's tough on the family because they got to do stuff. I mean, all the time, all of a sudden their schedule is not theirs anymore. And so there's some heated moments. There's a lot of growth between me and my family too, over the years with that, you know? Absolutely. No, no, I, that makes total sense. Wow. So, so one thing I, I wanted to ask you, and, and I'm not sure if you've ever done this. And, and I was thinking about, you know, like in the, in the power chair or even, I guess in, in your, the type of chair you're in now, have you ever done any of the, the different sports? Like I know, like, um, yeah. you have, yeah, yeah. Um, well, the hand cycle is one thing I surfed a couple of times and that's pretty crazy. People are like, you surf, can you swim now? <laughs> I mean, there's times you fall off the board and then I just wait. So I'm in the water, like face down or under, and I'm just waiting for somebody to come get me. Cause <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is, man. It's, but they're so close and there's so many people there that you're fine, but, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Wow. Wow. No, man. I, um, also, I played rugby. I think that was a pretty integral part of my recovery and just being back within a sport, you know, because I was always, I played baseball since I was nine and football in high school. So I've always been like a, a team oriented sport kind of guy. So getting back into wheelchair rugby was great. And I was in Jacksonville and I played that for, gosh, I don't know how many years. But that was difficult too because I, uh, for lack of better terms, I sucked. I was uh, I was not good because I was so weak on my left side that the other guys that were uh, more symmetrically injured, they either improved or they could push the chair way better than I could. So there was just awful to never be able to get better. Like in in sports, you know, when you're when you're good, you have an able body. You're either good or you're bad. Well, I was bad because I couldn't get any stronger to be better. You know. So it was always hard for me to not be able to get better, faster, score, whatever, you know. Was, I had my own role. It was I was pretty much a blocker. I just got in people's way or something like that, you know. Like, no matter what your injury level is, you have a role on the team, and my role was that. I, I was never the scoring guy. I was never the passing guy. I was always just try to get in their way or block guy. Yeah, and, and as as easy as it is for me to sit there and go, Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. It's also though I yeah. can understand is this this mental struggle going from from this guy, you know what I mean, who who was scoring to doing that to having to kind of yeah. do this other type of position. People kind of overlook you, you know what I mean? Like you're you're the point five. You're on a you're on a scale. So I think the highest rated is a three point five, and that'd be like full hand function, triceps, balance stuff like that. And then you got a 0.5, which is me, which is like lower level, like ability wise. And so you're kind of just overlooked in a way, but I can remember the U S Olympic coach came and did a clinic with us and he gave me the whole, the whole Rudy speech. He's like, if I could put your heart in my other players, you know, it'd be, you know, it's like, that's great. And all, but you know, like I, I want to be both. You know? yeah. I just want to be that guy where it's like, you try hard and you're great, but you know, I wanted to be better. 
Yeah, no, no, definitely. And, and but I was gonna, I was gonna tell you when you're talking about that is I actually went. It's been, gosh, been several years back now. I had actually went up. Me and my mom, and I can't remember my sister went too, but we had went up to Jacksonville to one of those tournaments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and just so awesome. So I mean, yeah. it's just you know, man, what it makes me think, and and when I when I hear your story, even as we're talking today, man, is just this this desire that even though life isn't like it used to be and it's not like we dreamed it would be yeah it's not giving up on it yeah you know and it's tough because sometimes you just think about what you can't do yeah versus what you can do but you gotta let go you know like i love to go hiking i love to go upstairs i would like to to travel more i'd like to not have limitations but you know it, it is what it is and just sidetracked here but like i can remember turning 30 and that was that was difficult for me because I feel like 30, you're starting to get older at that point. And so I, I decided to go skydiving. I'm like, I'm doing something, you know, something to push the limit. And I remember doing that. And that was, that was quite the experience doing that. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did it. One of the things I needed something to feel more alive, or I don't know how you want to word it, but it was like, I got to do something. How did that work? How did, how does it work when you went skydiving? Yeah. They, um, they, I get strapped, I think, to the front of somebody. So they literally, there's somebody in front or behind me, and I'm strapped to them. So that moment when we were about to get, you know, fall from the plane, it was pretty crazy because he's like scooting out to the edge, and we're just sitting on the edge, and I'm, I'm outside of the plane. He's like inside still. You're just like sitting there, just waiting to, to fall. And I'm just like, oh, did oh, yeah. had had the guy who you jumped with had he ever jumped with somebody yeah he, yeah i think he had done it before so he was very very confident in himself or just situation so it was fine there's never really like a a fear in it but you know at 30 i think everybody in life they have this idea that you're supposed to have a job you're supposed to be married you're supposed to start a family like it's just embedded in us that we're supposed to do certain things by a certain age even though we're not supposed to, there's really no book out there that says you have to, but we just pressured and feel that way, especially when we're with social media these days, Instagram, Facebook, where you're seeing friends do this or that. I think sometimes we're always comparing ourselves to everyone else's best because I think everybody puts their best on those, on those <laughs> platforms, you know? So you're measuring yourself against what they want to show. And sometimes you feel like you're behind or whatever. Yeah. No, and, 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 and I completely agree, and I completely agree exactly what you were saying as far as, for some reason, we, we, we've allowed society, the world, whatever it is, to, to put, like you said, this timeline on our lives of when stuff is supposed to happen and when, and so when it doesn't happen like that, it can really, it can really mess with you. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and exactly what you said is that, the downfall of social media is is comparing your life, your normal life, to the highlights that everybody posts onto yeah. social media. I mean, even you. I mean, us, me. I'm, I'm guilty of it too. Like, I, I post when I'm at a baseball game, or I'm on some trip, or you know what I mean. You don't you don't really post the I'm depressed, I'm sad, this is a tough day, or whatever. I mean, you can, but you don't want to do that because you, you you always want to be like, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Exactly, and. And I don't know. I guess maybe maybe that that maybe that comes back to this this thing inside of us, like we talked about earlier, about this desire to make people, you know, want people to feel comfortable around us. You know what I mean? Right. 
So, yeah. so now yeah, nobody wants to hear the sad stuff because I can remember that early on when I was, you know, I was always focused on, yeah, I'm getting better. You know, I'm getting better. I'm, I'm always like trying to reassure them that I'm getting better. Whatever. People just get they get uncomfortable when you talk about the bad. Yeah. So, especially yeah. when it's probably more bad than what they're dealing with because. Yep. There'd be sometimes when people will complain to me or something like that, like, what am I doing? Why am I telling you what you, you know? It's like, it's fine. You can complain to me. It's okay. I'm not <laughs> measuring my bad to your bad. We're good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now I get it. So now tell me real quick about how is life today being a dad? It's, it's good. It's, it's, it's sometimes frustrating because I, I love kids. I always have, and I, I want to play with them. I want to pick them up. I want to throw them in the pool. I want to, you know, swing them around or, you know, just whatever the physical things that I'm unable to do. But it's kind of crazy because she's a brand of human. So there's no, she doesn't know another daddy. She doesn't know a dad that can put her on her shoulder, him on her shoulders or whatever, you know, it's like if she is kind, like if I try to scare her or chase her or whatever, she, she runs, even though I'm not really going to get her, you know, (laughs) it's, it's, in that aspect, it's great, but it's also, a little frustrating like the other day she told me no and i wanted to tell her that's not okay and sometimes i understand you don't ever want to be physical with a kid but sometimes you've got to like grab their hand and pull them to time out or you've got to correct them somehow physically like verbally it's difficult like they're not always going to listen and so that's kind of a tough one for me whenever i can't correct her or do the things that i i know that i would otherwise and sometimes she can fight back and there's nothing I can do. I mean, I can remember a lady in a wheelchair that had a kid and she said uh, he wasn't behaving right. And he, he jumped up on the top bunk of his bed and, you know, she said, get down. He's like, come make me. And you know what I mean? Like kids can be yeah. cool at some point because he knew that she couldn't get out and that that was it. Like those kind of situations are just not fun to be in. No, no, I get it. I, I totally get it now. But on the other token, I will tell yeah. you, I will tell you that you, you inspire me. You give me kind of a, a different outlook because I'm, I'm not married. I don't have kids, but right. I've, I've struggled with this idea of what I ever want children because, because yeah. I've struggled with a, a, a thing of looking at my life growing up with with my dad and, and we rode dirt bikes together and, you know, he drove me to school and all this stuff. And I've thought to myself, you know, what kind of dad would I be? Like, I would be, I would be, my kids would be the, the kids who, oh yeah, well, you know, my dad, you know, he's blind. So we don't do any of that stuff. Right. Right. But, but then though, when I, yeah, they're pretty understanding, man. They're, yeah. they're pretty great. It's, it's nice. It's, it's refreshing in a way. It's like, you've got this person that doesn't, judge you and it's not uncomfortable around you like all the things that we've had to deal with with others that they're not programmed yet like they're are their own little blank slate yeah that's... So, i mean they're pretty great i mean she's she's awesome it's always fun every morning she wakes up pretty happy and <laughs> the time she is and she i just love the craziness that she is running around making weird noises you know <laughs> across the floor sideways you know just weird off the wall, just unscripted. It's just nice to see somebody alive. Because I think as we get older, we just get so worried about what others think about us or what's weird or what's not. And at that point, they're just happy. They're just happy to be alive. And whatever it is, is is. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, man, I want to truly thank you for for not only just coming on my podcast and doing all this, but for me finally getting an opportunity to to sit down with you. Like I said, I mean, you you're a name that that I've known forever in our community, and so it's it's really awesome to finally get a chance to meet you. No, same with you, man. I mean, your story also, like we can compare stories and say, I think me and you've talked about the other day where it's like we we kind of measure too, and it's like I put myself in your shoes. I'm like, could I deal with losing my sight? And I'm I'm sure you say, could I deal with losing <laughs> the ability to walk? I mean, I we do it all the time. It's like a paraplegic, they can use their pretty much from their waist up, they're good. They can use their arms, their hands, everything good. They can transfer. They're pretty independent paras, but a lot of them have no leg function. So, and then the quadriplegic may have a little leg function, but also some, you know what I mean? So you're always like, can I do this? Or what would this be? Or could, you know, we all have our things that we deal with. And I think your testament, you're marching forward too. Like you just keep on going and doing new endeavors. Now you have this podcast. I, I, I think there's nothing you can't do. And I, I feel like you're opening doors or knocking on doors that are going to keep opening for you. And you're a good dude, man. Like I just think just being kind and nice and caring is a, is a big thing for success in life. Like it shouldn't be a motivation to be successful doing that, but just being a good person in general. I wrote a paper on the golden rule. I think it's, you know, just treat others the way you want to be treated. Uh, it's, it's a big one. It is man. Because you know, dude, there's just, there's a lot of people in this world who aren't like that. And, you know, and I don't know, man, it's just, you do what you can do in this life. And, you know, and I, I thank you very much for, for everything that you've just said that, that yeah. means so much. And especially, you know, coming from, from you and I don't know, man, life, life isn't always easy. It, it's screwed up. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. sugarcoat and say every day is good for me. Like it's tough. Yeah. Like when my, I have bladder issues sometimes or bowel issues or, you know what I mean? There's, there's still tough stuff going on. And I think a lot of times I do these fundraisers and I put stuff out there and the, you see my therapy and people think I'm doing good, but there's still a lot of things I can't do. And there's tough days still, you know, it's just like we said, we put our best foot forward, but I'm sure there's tough days for you too. And, and good days. So. Absolutely, man. Well, I want to thank you again so much for uh, yeah. for coming on the podcast, and I just really appreciate it so much. Yeah, no worries, man. Anytime you think of more questions or want to talk again, fire it back up. No problem at all. Awesome, awesome. Well, well, for all of you listening, I hope you've come away with, with something that can help you in your own life. Maybe it's not something as, you know, quote unquote, dramatic as what Robert has faced in life or what I've faced in life. But whatever you're dealing with, it's it's a big deal to you, and that's what matters. And I just hope that this podcast, whether it's this episode or any other episode, it can just give you a little bit of hope, a little bit of inspiration, motivation to not give up on life. Yeah, I saw a quote the other day that said, don't, don't worry about taking all the steps at once. Just take that first step, you know, and I know that's hard to do because we're so impatient and that first step, you don't feel like you're much closer, but you've got to one thing or whatever. Well, as you can see, Robert, he doesn't wear a cape. He's not the superhero that is depicted in the comic books, but he's a superhero in my eyes. 
And, you know, when I hear his story, when I got finished with today's, you know, conversation with Robert, I couldn't help but just feel inspired and motivated to to do more with my life. And at the same time, I also can't be more thankful to God for having me right here, right where I'm at right now in this phase of my life where I'm getting to sit down and talk to people with incredible stories that not only help to benefit my own life, but are hopefully helping people who are listening to this podcast literally all over this world. I hope that it helped you. And I also just want to give a final thank you to Next Step Orlando for sponsoring today's episode. The support of the podcast from Next Step Orlando, from the guests that I have on, and to all of you listening, truly motivates me to just keep on moving forward. If you have a business or organization that you would like to play a role in this podcast and being a sponsor, please be sure to check out the show notes where you can find contact information to reach out to me. I'm always looking to align myself with other businesses and organizations who are making a change in the community, in the world, or maybe even just to one person. And that's the lowdown with Kevin Lowe. I hope today's episode inspired you, motivated you, and excited you to get out and enjoy life, no matter what obstacles may be standing in the way. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.